I love that ad. I love that ad. I love that ad. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Love That Ad. Uh, joined as always, the wind beneath my wing, Shane W. Brennan. Hola. Shane, hello. And we have a very special guest. We have Stephen Mangan from Ringers, co-founder of Ringers. How are you doing, Stephen? Yeah, really good, actually. Thanks for having me. Now, we're, we're expecting the uh, listens and results on this podcast to be through the roof because uh, you, you share a very special, a very famous name with, with another actor. Just keep so. tagging as many Stephen Mangans as you, as you, as you want. So we have uh, the, the, the Stephen Mangan, who's very famous in the Irish and wider creative advertising circles on the podcast uh, today. Stephen, uh, how are things going in Ringers? Yeah, really good, actually. Really good. We're five five years old. Uh, so two of those years were kind of COVID years. So we're three three and a bit, technically, you know. So um, mm. but we're good. We're good. Things are busy. And uh, yeah, it's good. We haven't fallen out yet. So that's, <laughs> I think when you get to the talk to me in another year and then we should be we should be all right, you know. That's always 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 a good sign. No, that's a that's a great milestone to to uh, to hit. And in, in that short time, you've been doing some amazing work and got such a you've built on your already uh, solid reputation. So that's that's no that's no mean feat. Yeah, I'm not sure about the solid reputation, but the the reputation <laughs> will will do. You know, um, no, we've we have we've been we've been trying to build something that's kind of fun. I think for ourselves as well as kind of keeping us fed and you know keeping us in in socks and jocks so uh yeah no we're, we're we're going okay we're going okay we're trying to build it it's an interesting thing when we started it you have the fear you, you, when we were working for other people you always go if it was my place i'd do, this. I'd do it like this you know yeah. so we're trying to kind of stick to that you know and uh not trying to become bosses or advertising bosses worse worse yet you know <laughs> I love, I love that you're trying to keep that top of mind uh, to to stay away from. Written on the wall in the jacks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, when I I referenced your solid reputation there, and I think um, I don't know. There's there's many different eras in in Irish advertising in particular, but I think uh, for for me, anyways, you you were uh, at the epicenter of of uh, the the Irish creative revival around the the time that the work was coming out of, of Rothko and and getting major plaudits uh, around the world. What was it like to be in the eye of the storm there? Um, I, I don't remember it like that. I just remember working with loads of really kind of <laughs> funny people and really candid kind of people. I think that's the key. Like, you know, there's a thing in, in the in the kind of Pixar story where they talk about radical candor is one of their things and mm. just basically being sound with each other and not being afraid to kind of to stand up and go lads this is kind of crazy like this is what are we doing you know so um i think that's that's really key that is it sounds so simple but you know when you get tons and tons of people in a one room under pressure they will tend to kind of go along with each other a little bit and i think that's never really good so you have to just be able to have that trust and that relationship where people go look i think you're full of crap you know and and i think i think we can do better or whatever it is you know so that that's the way i kind of remember it you know so um don't know about epicenters or, or any of that stuff that that kind of weirds me out to be perfectly honest you know but. i i think you're you're being a being a little bit modest there uh, so so uh, did, did did you realize that with say the candor you had in the room and, and the stuff that you were working on and uh like the, the toughest and those kind of projects were what were, were, were coming out in those days 
did you realize oh there's there's something different here just something a little bit like you're you felt like you're doing things better than they're usually done or was it just business as usual no no we we kind of knew that we had to kind of do something different i suppose you know and that was that was always the challenge because <laughs> i i i made it my first ad i ever made i i came home after i'd say like maybe three months or more or maybe four months of working on it and i told my wife and i was like look it's gonna be on the telly tonight you know <laughs> and and it came on the telly and we were all huddled around the TV and she was like, is that it? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Is that what I've been listening to for like four <laughs> months, you know? And I'm like, yeah, it's really complicated and it's really hard. And there's lots of, and I was kind of sitting there like sinking, you know, and yeah. but that's the context for all the stuff that we do is so important. You know, it's not like we all, everybody says, I know people don't like advertising and we don't care. And it's kind of, but it, when you genuinely go, it's they, they they've got so many things going on in their lives so that's your starting mm. point you know and if you close your eyes and ignore that then the work won't land and it won't be effective it won't work and and so you can have loads of fun making it you might win a ton of awards even on some of the stuff because the people in, in the next room might think it's great but mm. people at home will just ignore it and just move on and yeah. go back to so their it... sick cat or their their granny <laughs> to you know to get a lift somewhere or something you know it's if they just that's yeah. the context. We're way, way down the list. So you've got to, you've got to never forget that. You know, so people are just trying to get through their Tuesdays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even when it's Wednesday, yeah. they're just trying to get through Tuesday. Yeah, they're just yeah. Tuesday. <laughs> then you know they really don't care about. Yeah, it's like fucking trying to get through Tuesday. It's fucking <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> That's how long my it, Tuesday is. <laughs> they'd rather watch like reruns of horse racing or something, you know, before they watch your ads. Then you know where you sit, right? Yeah, so. true. Yeah, that that's fair enough. We're we're, we're advocates of uh, of people who might be partial to a bit of advertising. I think the clues in the name of the podcast, and and that's what we're here to discuss. Some some uh, some amazing ads that that you've kind of seen throughout the years. Is there is there a, ter- a certain style of advertising that you gravitate naturally towards? A certain medium, even? Uh, no, not not really. It's for us. I think like people in the creative industry, and we call ourselves like the creative industry. People in the creative industry think that they own creativity, that it kind of stops at the door of the agency, you know? So, but there's so much creativity out in everyday life, you know, and and, in loads of different professions and stuff like that. And that's what I'm kind of interested in. Um, It's if you stay within your little bubble and you kind of go on this island called advertising or whatever you want to call it, that this is where creativity lives and dies. It's, It's just not true, you know? So, so I like things that show up in your everyday life and are kind of surprising and, they could be anything, you know, and I have it on on one of the slides. I, I have it where the de- I looked up today, I looked up the definition of an advertisement and it was a notice or an announcement in a public medium promoting a product or service. So it's kind of like things that happen out loud, out in public that tell you about a thing, you know, and that covers everything. So there's no, I've no real, no favorite medium or any of that stuff, you know, um, when we started, we started making, uh, I started in below the line. So I started in kind of shopper experience stuff around shops and in like direct mail stuff. And like, and direct mail was always looked at as like the one eyed cousin of advertising. So people who would be on the top floor would look down and go, oh, direct mail, you know, God love you. And we ended up kind of picking up bits of budget and working on different things. And, you know, then I went into above the line stuff and into printing TV and all that kind of stuff. But then that became kind of slightly boring. And 
then we moved into making stuff like so what's now known as kind of content you'd make like anything from short films to kind of feature length kind of films and things like that and and then you're like that's that's interesting so the medium is not really that important it's the struggle is like how do you get people to watch it and pay attention be involved and yeah. like talk about it and that's that's always the struggle so yeah. why would someone give a shit to try and make yeah, yeah make something interesting to who you're trying to talk to you know yeah and, and even like you see things with sports clubs you'll see behind the scenes documentaries on amazon or whatever and you'll see like the all blacks you know uncovered and you're like this is gonna be amazing and it turns out to be really dull you know and really boring and you're like how do they make this bad? You know, like, uh, yeah. so it's, it's always a challenge. There's always, I understand why, like, you know, there's limitations mm. on everything. And, but I think that's, they always make, like, that's the challenge. There's, it's, you'll never get a clear run at everything. There'll always be, if only we had all of these things right and lined up, then we could make something incredible. But, mm. but there's always a limitation. Somebody won't let you in, you know, mm. there's not enough budget, you don't have any time or whatever. So there's a anytime you you judge ads or things and you kind of go that's awful, you kind of have to have a little bit of um, you have to feel for them a bit because you know how many things have not yeah. been going in your favor when you're trying to make it. So yeah, it's easy to kind of go and take the Mickey out of ads, but when you make them, you understand how how tricky they can become sometimes. You know. Yeah, and even like I think especially in this era of production, so many more people are aware of what content is and where it's publicized than ever before so like take take your all back example the all or nothing on amazon i'm a, i play rugby i've played rugby my whole life i grew up watching any bit of vhs i could watch with rugby on it the john lomu documentary the 11th of vhs would watch that over and over when i was a kid and then you like the all or nothing thing and you look at the trailer and i was like that's not going to be interesting because every, Whereas when John Loma one was made, he gave you real insight into his life because he didn't really appreciate or was was not aware of where it could go or the value of kind of brand and stuff like that. Whereas now, I think a lot of things are very manicured by loads of people, particularly around branded documentary stuff. They can be really manicured as to no, 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 we don't want this part of him out there. We only want this part. Talk about his charity work. Don't talk about, I think John Loma used to pump loads of money into sound systems in cars. Like that was, that was, I remember that in that documentary. I was like, no one would talk about that. Now. And yeah. I just think, I feel for us as well, when we're doing production and you see other stuff that kind of falls a bit flat, you're like, it's, it's so many people are so aware as to how things get produced or half aware and they can block based on that what they think you're trying to do versus what you're actually trying to achieve and it's 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 it can be definitely be very yeah. tough yeah yeah now look it's it's just it's all comes down to just are they interested in it you know yeah. that's that's it like we will watch you know that it's the classic thing of people go well they'll only watch they've got a four second attention span it's like yeah. why are they watching 47 hours of a box set like what what's how does that this is the same person you know so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. you have to you have to kind of go what are they interested in what do they how can I get into their lives in a way and how can I talk to them about something that's relevant and how can I become what they're interested in mm. and, and and that's the classic thing and it doesn't how brands show up in your life is that's your starting point it's not like we have a comms campaign and we do this it's like what do they do there's you know that analogy of uh what do they say it's a bit cheesy you're um, your identity is kind of the dress you wear to the party 
and your brand is what people say after about you after you leave the party you know and it's kind of mm-hmm. like brands now are like look what did you do to make the party happen like did you bring booze like what did you do you know like mm, yeah kind of what are you what are you why are you here i've got other things going on like just get out of the way you know? <laughs> yeah there is no and, party tonight that was two nights oh, ago <laughs> yeah exactly. and you know that person that shows up and does nothing and, and you're never like leaves <laughs> yeah and the other exactly other ones that are there the whole time they're there before the party starts for 11 hours gone yeah. i just said i come early i flew in early or whatever <laughs> you trying to like, shower that's, that's advertising they're just kind of going i'm just going to wait until something happens but i'll be here the yeah. whole time talking to you the whole time you're like no i'm not interested you know so yeah so you kind of have to know your place and then pick your moment and then just be what they're interested in you know i think that's that's kind of key you know mm. i think that there's some lovely analogies in there um, sorry so... but i won't i'll try not to do too too many analogies Aaron chalk no, I... adores an analogy he's I, going to I take really that analogy don't. and use it okay. later in life the man you're you're, you're singing you're singing the fact, to the, <laughs> it's only the, the fact that this is recorded that pe- that it'll be able to be drawn back to you Stephen. otherwise it'll be, it'll be <laughs> oh it'll be Aaron's. Um, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um what kind of uh what kind of uh ads then are we going to see from from you today or is it is it, is it like a is it a charcuterie board of ads we have from you today um, there, I kind of try to pick ads that aren't ads, and I know the I, I'm not it's not lost to me that the podcast is called I love this ads. Well, for today, right? <laughs> I love that ad that's not an ad. Yeah, suspend your <laughs> suspend your 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 belief in that for a minute. So, kind of ads that aren't ads, but that do this thing that kind of say, look, we're going to announce something publicly that there's a thing that you might be interested in, you know. So, and for us, I suppose in ringers, that's kind of where we try and start. And you go, what are, what are we doing here? You know, like what what how what are we how are we going to become interesting to them? So, the first one is um is a Converse uh one, and they like Converse weirdly enough started their life as an athletic shoe, right? <laughs> and if you've ever walked, like it was lashing rain this morning. If you've ever walked any distance in a Converse shoe, like it's not an athletic shoe. Like you can hear your little bones banging off off the pavement when you're walking along, right? So the fact that they used to run in them and play basketball and stuff is a bit mad, but they began their life as a kind of a sportswear company. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. kind of what, what they started as. And and they're all kind of some of their lines on their on their campaigns where one says, um, there's only one all star, only Converse makes it, you know, um, and only sport only sports sporting goods dealers sell it. It's a real it's pure down the line like we are the sporting shoe for athletes and sporty types. And you're like, okay, fair enough. But they quickly, well, not quickly, over the course of years, they kind of, they became aware that they couldn't compete with other sportswear brands and they got passed out quite quickly. Um, so they kind of said, right, we'll go for like youth culture, you know, and that was their thing. Like, we're going to, we're going to be a, a kind of a youth brand. We're going to be a kind of a cool brand for, for the youth. Um, and they had a lovely kind of position and a really nice, simple position in that, um it was the line we're just a, we're just a strip of rubber rubber and a blank canvas so mm. it was it played up to the product and said look it's kind of pretty basic shoe right but whatever you can do with it you can do whatever you want in it you know it was kind of a shoe for going out going to gigs or doing whatever you know sleeping on your friend's couch it didn't really matter you know so you could, anything could happen once you put these shoes on right and straight away, as I'm saying this out loud, I feel really self-conscious because it kind of feels like bullshit, you know. But <laughs> when they, don't so they worry, started, don't worry. They started launching campaigns that had like youth in them, you know. Mm-hmm. We've got this girl, she might be a mixed race girl and maybe she's got some tattoos and it's cool. And then she's got the shoe and there's my color. They might be painting. Maybe they're doing some painting on the street. And straight away, you're into these awful kind of analogies and you're like, 
oh God, how how do we attach ourselves to youth culture and how do we become relevant and what does this brand do? So, and it's pure dad dancing, you know, when, and you've seen it in briefs for, for, for this kind of, this, you know, and especially if you're an older creative like me, you're like, it's cringy, it's hard. You're like, how am I going to get this right? You know? Um, but a couple of years, well, it's a good while ago, actually now it's a long, a long time ago, but, um, Converse heard this story where there's a famous club um, in Oxford Street in London called the 100 Club. And the 100 Club would have had, like, it kind of started life as a jazz club and turned into a, a punk club over the years, but it had everybody. Everybody played in London, played. And, and it's tiny. The 100 kind the the name 100 kind of came from the fact that they really only had a capacity of slightly less than 100. So it's tiny. It's a really, really, really small place. Um, but it was an iconic venue. And as as the kind of rent prices went up um, and as the kind of crowds got even smaller than the 100s, lose money and they said, look, we're, we're probably going to have to close. So Converse got wins that they couldn't pay their rent and they got in touch and they said, look, we'd like, you know, how, how much is your rent per year? And they told them the story and and they said, like, we'd like to pay a rent for 10 years. We'll, we'll cover the rent, right? And from that little act of covering the rent, you know, in terms of marketing budget, it's really, really small. But they got to tell the world that, uh, that and, and sorry, they got to tell them, but more importantly, everybody else told their story on their behalf that this brand came in and said, we think this club is worth something. And even though it's tiny, we think it's amazing. And we think it's a place where amazing stuff happens. And it's kind of bang on what we're all about. So they've paid for the 100 club and they just got press all over the world. So it, from a, so they did the right thing. Right. And every time, so the questions were asked, like, do you want to change the name? Do you want your, do you want a shoe and the logo? You know, we're going to get <laughs> your logo and all this type of stuff. And they were like, no, we actually don't want anything to do with anything. And they were like, well, how, how are you going to get your visibility? Like how, how are people going to remember that it's you and, Where's the awareness for the brand coming from? And how are your scores going to la, 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 you know? And they just said, people will tell the story for us because we did the right thing, you know? So back to your party analogy, uh, Aaron, it was like, we just showed up with this with the thing that the party needed, you know? We paid for the sound system or we paid for this. And everybody told the story for them, you know? Mm -hmm. And it didn't feel like cheesy youth culture advertising and it didn't feel kind of a bit ick, you know, and a bit forced and... Look, when you look at it's happening all over the world with venues and especially music venues like here we have like the three arena, which kind of doesn't seem too bad because it's a it was it's it's the third name, you know, on, on the arena. But it it doesn't seem that bad because it's a big kind of venue and it seems like it's a, a big enough place it can carry it. But for things like the Olympia, you have a brand that comes in and says we're involved in the Olympia now. And all of a sudden it's not called the Olympia anymore. It's called yeah. three Olympia and you know, the brand people are delighted and, you know, they're like, look, we get good awareness out of this, but the people on the street will just reject it and just go, it's not called the three Olympians, the Olympia, like stop, mm -hmm. you know? And I think for us as advertisers, we have to recognize when, where that tipping point is when you kind of go, I think that might just be too much, you know? And yeah, like marketing managers or brand managers would always come in and say, what am I paying for here? Why am I paying for this? If I don't get my name on it and if I don't get, get this, and it's simple, you know, the people will tell the story of the that you did the right thing and you're involved in the right way, you recognize its value. And so I think that's for me, that's 
a brilliant dad. And that was literally a bank transfer, I would imagine. That was like, mm. they didn't advertise the fact they just sent a check, you know. That's so amazing. that little square piece of paper is is your ad and that got all that kind of worldwide coverage and stuff. So I, 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 I like that for that reason. Yeah, that's class because it's so, so authentic. And like it just it's 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 the fact that they actively tried not to capitalize on it that makes the capitalization even more so because you know what i mean well it it what it does is it kind of passes the sniff test with me and you when we're talking mm. about it you kind of go is this is this bullshit or is this this okay and you kind of go it's okay and people will be yeah. happy for brands to be involved in their life in that way if they show up and they're kind of useful and they kind they're of just go, not milking it yeah for everything it's worth like yeah I think as well, there's subtleties in how you can milk it. I know, I know they, they wanted the press and stuff, but say like for me, there is a way you can push it. Say if you are that brand manager and you're like, well, maybe we give the staff free converse if they're working, they don't have to wear it, but they're there. You know what I mean? Simple things like that. Cause if someone gives you a free converse, you're going to fucking wear it. Especially if you're working in a bar and it's sticky floor and stuff being spilled on you. Like you're like, yeah, you can have them. We don't, you don't have to, but it's that kind of nonchalant, too cool, which fits that exact brand, but Converse as to where they were trying to go. It's like, oh, we just want to do this thing. It is what it is, but we will get benefit from it. And there is a, like, I think there is an element of that's that's a good way to put it. That sniff test. You're kind of like, what are they getting more out of this than what they're putting in? And uh, from from people who are engaging with it, if they feel like now Converse are facilitating our good time, well, that's positive, you know, so yeah. that's what they're getting out of it. Um, yeah. But I know, obviously, marketing managers will have certain metrics that they feel like they're hitting when they do certain things. But as you said, the, the that, that looks great in a boardroom and that looks good in an Excel, but the, the, the feet on the street, if you ask them what they think about certain things, they'll be like, yeah, no, that's that's called this or that's called that. Yeah. Or I can't keep up with the name changes, you know? <laughs> like we I think as as a kind of species, we're we've made our we've made our peace with where brands fit in in our lives. So you kind of go, mm -hmm. yeah, okay, that's I'm okay for them to be around now, you know. But yeah. I'm happy with that. But you, you also have your your boundaries where you go, that's that's too much and you guys need to go home now, you know, and that's that's the end of that. Mm. Um so I think, yeah, but I, I just, I liked the way they were brave in saying, we're not going to advertise it. We're not going to talk about it. We're just going to do the right thing and see what happens, you know? Mm. Um, and then let, let everybody else tell your story for you, because that's back to your party analogy, Aaron. Like I, I can't walk up to you and go, you do know I'm a great dancer, right? I'm an amazing yeah. dancer. You want to see, <laughs> you want to see me go, you know? It's you need people to kind of go when you get a load of him. By the way, I'm not a great dancer, right? but <laughs> but that's but that's it. You like letting other people yeah. tell your story is really powerful for brands, you know, because they they you trust they're the people you trust the most. You know? Yeah, never heard that story. Now that's that's really good. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a good dancer. Yeah, I swear. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna f you prove it. Yeah, get <laughs> get that podcast. TikTok. Get that <laughs> yeah. TikTok going. That's what we might, we'll find out. <laughs> that's awesome. Brilliant. That's really good at. Yeah. Um. So the next one is kind of it's it's kind of based on just a human behavior. So if you're if you're the kind of creatives, you're kind of looking at this and going, what in our human behavior is interesting, and how can we kind of jump in the middle of that thing? And uh, again, it's kind of old enough. It's, I think it's may, might be ten years old, but um, it's the Budweiser tag words campaign so they won a lot of awards for this in the industry right and it's a really really interesting thing 
Um, if you look at right now, it's so sad. Like the, the top five searches on Google for us globally, you know, as a species are YouTube, uh, Facebook, Translate, Pornhub and Weather, right? So they have the top five, right? And they've kind of been like that for a long, long time. And like the fact that we're so lazy, we can't type YouTube into the space bar. We have to Google YouTube. So it yeah. comes up and you click it. Says a lot, right? It's pretty bad, right? Um, but that that's us as a species in a nutshell, right? Um, so what they did was Budweiser wouldn't have had an amazing kind of heritage in music and they kind of wanted to be involved. And obviously, because they're an alcohol brand, they said, right, we can't really kind of start jumping into music kind of feet first and you know we can't be those kind of people who do that um and we can't go out we would like to tell the story of a it, it was a global campaign so we'd like to tell the story we'd like to use the best people in music and you know really household names and music people cared about and they were involved in and they would chase around the internet and find so instead of kind of taking out an ad campaign they just said let's get people to search. So they use Google, the, the space bar in Google, or sorry, the search bar in Google as their kind of canvas. And they said, right, what, if we get people to search Google for things, they will find things at the end of that search that us as a brand will be smack bang in the middle of, right? So they just ran these huge, big kind of outdoor and social campaigns and and the line was just search it. And they put in a little kind of simple box they had. So for instance, they had one that said, 1987 California hip hop Budweiser. So when you type that those words, those keywords into into Google, it comes up with an image of the Beastie Boys, you know, and he's kind of breaking a can open in his hand at this mm. kind of kind of gig, and all of a sudden you're like, Budweiser are smack bang in the middle of all these major music moments, and across all genres, all types of music, it just kept coming, you know. So you would literally type in anything, and then the word Budweiser. And you would be backstage with the Rolling Stones in 1977 in California in some kind of heyday moment or something or whatever. It didn't really matter what the music type or the genre was, but you were there and you were in the middle of it. And the brand was in the middle of it. People were drinking it and pouring it over each other and having a laugh. And mm. and all of a sudden, just recognizing that if you're asking people to kind of play with the space bar, or with the search bar a little bit, that was interesting. That was something that it was kind of like, I dare you to go and Google this. And they were like, OK, I'll do that, you know. Um, and when you look at all the alternative searches on Google, you get that where you're like, you know, how long does it take to get from one side of the world to the other? Whatever it is, you know, people will people will kind of look at that and go, that's a little platform I can play with that. So they took mm. that thinking and just turned it into a campaign and said, and essentially they didn't buy a single image. They didn't buy anything. They didn't spend any money on royalty for photography or anything. But they just said, look, there's an entire world of photography hidden behind this search bar on, on Google. And if we build a campaign that just takes that and turns that into a little toy and gets people to play with it, then that's a really, really interesting kind of uh, way of telling our, our, our message and getting people to, to know where, we're, where we are in the world of music. So it, your ad essentially is that little, I don't know how many pixels it is, that little long skinny thing. That's it. Mm. And it's different for everybody and it's personalized and it's kind of open 24-7. It's all music, all genres, all ages, you know, Um so that's your campaign and that's your media and that's everything. So it was a really nice way of thinking about it. And from, from the initial searches, tons of things happened. Like they found uh, hidden kind of roles of photography, you know, unseen footage and all this kind of thing. So the kind of more you searched, the more it kind of opened up and opened up. 
Um, and it's like when you went on, a, you go on a normal kind of rabbit hole on the internet. This was one that started with a brand and turned into loads of other things. So, so they found a, an, an old roll of footage that somebody had in a kind of duffel bag in their house for 40 years of the Rolling Stones. Um, and that showed up on one of them. And that became really famous. The stories kind of went online all, all around the world about that. And then people heard about the campaign and on and on and on and on. So it just, it was a really, the device was simple. You know, it was like get people to behave, to tweak their behavior in a certain way around search and have fun with that, you know, start mm. that. Mm. Once you get them to keep doing that and we're right smack bang in the middle of that, then it's all good, you know, then it's kind of really good fun, you know, so. Um, and, and yeah, so. The beer, the beer is in the middle of the images. It builds that authenticity straight away. And, yeah, and, and like old images. So it's not yeah. like, oh, we planted these last year. This yeah. is like decades before. And like, I wouldn't drink Budweiser, you know, if you paid me, you know, and I'd say a lot of Irish people would be the same, but I look at these photographs and, you know, you see Jimi Hendrix, you know, playing slide guitar with a kind of Budweiser or the Beastie Boys kind of throwing them around the room and you're kind of going, it's not as naff as I thought it was, you know, and it changes your perception. <laughs> kind of cool. Yes. Yeah. And we're like, is Budweiser cool? Am I right? Am I yeah, right again? Minute. Have I got so, this wrong? Yeah. Yeah. And then you taste it. Then you taste it and you're like, no, I've got this right. No, I shouldn't. Be but no, <laughs> no branding on the photographs, no messaging, yeah. no line, no logo. It's just... Show me where this is in everyday life. And I kind of go, it's all right. I kind of like that. And like visually, the look of the campaign, the, the, the white text on the plain red is really strong, you know, really brave mm. brand of that size because they would all, always lean into product shots and all that kind of stuff. So like, um, what I, what I, yeah, I do, but I remember when that campaign came out and like, I remember I always used to live in this space when thinking about trying to execute things as in stuff that already exists. And that's why I adored this. And it's particularly with technology. Tapping into, because like obviously from growing up when we never had a mobile phone to now having something with such power at the tip of your fingers at all times from a knowledge point of view, you're like, there's so much power gone into something else. We just haven't seen, like you're trying to figure out a way to tap into that. And that this campaign touches on that magnificently. You're using work other people have done and that people are doing constantly and how they like, YouTube is or Google is how people navigate a world. It's not what the like it is. They use it to navigate their physical world, but it's also a separate search history world that they have to themselves. And like tapping into that, just it's it's when you when you hear it, you're like, oh fuck, that's just so fucking smart. Um, and it, like it's one of those campaigns that you're just jealous of inst instantly. It reminds me of um. Was it the Shutterstock campaign they did as well? Won a few awards, which was was it the night Ali knocked someone out and there was no video, so but they had yeah, loads of photos. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah. And Frank Sinatra was taking yeah. photos, wasn't it? Yeah, that one. That was the same one. It was like old school. It was like that existed, and they put that together and put it out there. One thing I would be really curious curious about from an SEO point of view was by the action of people searching those words and articles being referenced, referencing those words, did they change the pathway to the pictures um, from a, from an SEO algorithm point of view? Do you know what I mean? So now all of a sudden, because say the word, I don't know, whatever word is used more times in the article in that sequence, did they fuck up some of them and create a new journey and things like that? Because that's how it works. It's constantly living. Nothing ever stays in the same place really. Um, in google for a long period of time so it's it's just genius i just love it it's one of those ads you just i remember it came out i i hated it because i loved it so much <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's amazing it's an amazing piece of work yeah 
that's a great great campaign um what can we expect for for our next uh next slot of ads so our next for people of a certain age uh there used to be a tv program on <laughs> i can't even remember when it was on and there was a line in it it was about snooping around kind of people's houses and it was called through the keyhole yeah yeah that was it and there was, what was this guy's the guy's name i can't remember now um but the line was who lives in a house like this you know <laughs> and i remember kind of sitting on the floor in my sitting room as a kid watching it and kind of going what is going on you know and you're just walking around people's homes and looking and trying to judge them by their furniture and and it it made me think a little bit about how we are with celebrities now and you know all of that like we're the, just the fascination with celebrities and 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 how our, our world like so quite a lot of our world kind of leans heavily into that you know and this the campaign that i'm going to talk about is uh was for unicef and like it, so those two worlds couldn't kind of really be further apart. But UNICEF, if you go back through all the kind of award-winning ads and stuff that works really well within the industry, they're they're always there. They always feature really, really heavily, you know. Um, and they've had incredible ads, like stuff, really emotive stuff. But it always stays within the realm of of advertising. It's always within those four kind of posts where it's like, this is what advertising is, and it works really well here. It's really powerful. I see the line. I see the image. It's well put together it's crafts amazing but where do i see it and and where does it show up in normal people's lives you know um and i think that's really the key for the the jump that they made was they took it out of our own kind of world and our own industry and just brought it straight out into into everyday industry so they landed this incredible idea um and it was around um it was celebrity tap water so it was a very very simple idea it was for um, like I said, it was for for UNICEF and it was a simple, you know, buy one of these. Uh, sorry, it was a simple kind of make a donation and you get into a draw to win a bottle of celebrity tap water. So Rihanna goes into her kitchen and she takes a normal bottle and she fills it up with basic tap water from her from her kitchen. And she kind of goes, you could win this. Right. So I get to win a bottle of Rihanna's tap water. And it's the same water as it comes out of my tap. Right. And. But the fact that it, it it's Rihanna's was the thing. And, and it was just a very, very simple device and a really nice insight into our kind of fascination stroke, potential obsession with like celebrities, you know. Um, they didn't really need to advertise it. They ran campaigns, like they ran print campaigns to kind of say what's what. Now, the print stuff is really boring and really straightforward and not interesting really at all creatively in any way, but they didn't need to, you know. It was literally just... I can own a bottle of Rihanna's tap water or anybody, you know, and they signed up a load of, of big celebs. So the print stuff, the stuff that happened within the industry is actually quite small and really not really that impactful, but every other media outlet and every station all around the world carry the stories of these celebrities who are going with bottles to their taps in their fancy kitchens, filling them up and saying, you could win this too. And people were just donating and getting involved in the campaign and, and like I've worked on a good few charity campaigns and it's very, very hard to move charities out of that mindset of this has worked moderately well in the past. Right. And we have made a certain amount of money. We've got our donations and we've hit these targets. It's really, really hard for us to kind of change and and move on. And because the risk <laughs> of the donations not coming in from the. Investment. Yeah. And as creatives, you're sitting in the room and you're kind of going this is a kind of life or death thing. If I, if I mess this up for some mm. stupid creative idea, 
the numbers won't come in. And that is, there's an actual, it feels like much more real than I'll sell less cars. It's like they, they need this, you know, I need to get this right. So the pressure from creatively is that you might kind of revert a little bit and keep it, keep it slightly more within on the rails, you know, and, and not kind of venture off. Um, off the reservation at all but I think what these guys did is they just said look what are people interested in they're obsessed with with um, with celebrities and they're obsessed with people that they see on their screens how can we get them involved you know how, and if you go back to other campaigns where they had you know people clicking and they're like right we're going to click every time I click this happens and you're like stop clicking Bono stop clicking you know <laughs> and yeah. this was very much like I can get yeah I can get <laughs> I can I can be involved in this way and and but all the media stations were just like this is a this is slightly odd enough that we can cover it mm, and yeah where you go so you take all the assets and you go how do we sweat the assets they're all celebrities how do we sweat them we make them show their lives you know their normal kitchens and so it's not like this has happened in a factory and that was it it's like you get to see the people going to their sinks and you get to see this and it's just has that little obsessive quality it feeds into that that we have around around them celebrity so i thought it was interesting i thought it was um i thought it was really nice i've never seen that campaign no me neither yeah um so and look it was really successful you know really really successful and yeah that's that's deadly i love i love it i I love when there's there's something physical yeah it's part of the campaign Mm -hmm. and the bottles being being that thing and even if there's only one per celebrity or two per celebrity just that there's there's something being created to create a wider a wider impact there i love that kind of stuff yeah yeah no i thought i thought it was really interesting so the the next one the the line i have is the product is the ad so from, from rihanna to a cow's arse in one kind of foul swoop um so there's an amazing company in ireland called mucol which is just a little device that you attach onto a cow's tail and um when the cow is just about to give birth an hour before she's about to give birth it it kind of tells you it beeps and says so if you have a couple of hundred cows and you're doing 10 million other things on the farm it says you don't have to worry about it until she goes off and then she'll tell you you know and even in their i was reading some of their their kind of literature and they were like um she'll let you know when she's ready you know and i was like you could kind of use that as a line for the ad you know i was like none none of this would be as good as just the product is amazing you know Mm, it's absolutely it's amazing so you see it when you when you drive past cows in the field, you see them right from the road. Farmers all know about them, but it's just so good that it is it is the ad. So all so I was saying it earlier on, like creativity doesn't just exist in the creative industry that we kind of work in, like mm. it exists in all of this other, you know, and everywhere else in the rest of the world. And this kind of level of genius for me is far greater than 90% of the stuff that, that I've ever seen in our, in my own industry, you know? So I just love this. It's just so, so simple. And you really just have to just get out of the way and say, have you seen it? And they go, yeah, this is what it is. So if you just yeah. posters with Mukal and a picture of, of it, you would go, that, that would do it. That would tell me what it is, you know? So um, the word, the word of mouth when this came out in the, in the farming communities was massive. Yeah. It was like, it literally like blew people's minds uh so much so to the, to the extent because i was trying to get my father to get one yeah he would only have a, a, a very small amount of, of calving cows and heifers uh every year and he, he it wasn't worth the investment and also there's i think it was more that there was a little bit of mistrust as in like knock 
you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> do you know as in it was that it was that kind of <laughs> that no, I'll just trust my old school <laughs> method, yeah, yeah, you know. And I mean that that's you know, when you're looking at products, that's the that's the speed bump in the journey where you're going. I don't trust anybody except me to look after my cows because that's I've been doing such a good job for years and I won't even let like there's some new young lad wants to come into the yard. Mm, I'm not sure about him. I'm going to have a good word with him and make sure he's all right. And mm. a really personal thing. And it's really, really tight. And I, as with all kind of, especially Irish farmers, you know, they're normally family-based farms and, you know, they're of a certain size and all that stuff. So it, the product had to be so bulletproof, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that's for me that I thought that was really interesting. Myself and Bobby always, when we started, uh, we we always talk about the Eames studio. So everybody knows Eames for making kind of amazing chairs and all that stuff. And someday when we all get really rich, we'll have an Eames chair. But um, but when they started, they were they designed the product. So they designed the chairs, but they also made the ads for the chairs, you know, and they designed the ads. And they also designed ads for other uh, brands at the same time. They did work for Kodak and for loads of other huge brands. So they were essentially a small creative studio that were banging out really, really lovely, beautiful ads for their clients while making products, while making the campaigns for those products and for others. And it's it sounds like a crazy thing. If you were going to set up, you know, your your creative agency now, you kind of go, we would like to be involved in making products as well as ads for those products and features and get involved in the tech. That's kind of our little nirvana, but where we would love to kind of to end up. And we're slowly trying to get there. But but it's not new at all. You know, these guys have been doing it for, you know, decades ago and, and doing an incredible job. So I think the creativity doesn't just only live in the one, in the one little part of, of our society. It's, it's kind of everywhere, you know, mm. and the trick is to recognize it and be inspired by it and kind of go and try and steal from that as much as you physically can, you know? So I think that's, that's where we would, we would always go. You know? So not an ad, but a kind of a thing you stick on a cow's, Boom, you know <laughs> yeah they're 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 pretty amazing parents they're they're they're, they're great tech mm. um and i think between that and um cctv units that are being that are being kind of modified specifically for for being placed in sheds and moving around and and, and tracking tracking different pens with, with cameras it's it's kind of a re- real uh really shows you how how, how modern far- farming can as is progressing with, yeah. with, a, with a bit yeah. of embracing of, of technology yeah and look is it an ad it's a big public announcement of a thing people will talk about it <laughs> yes it is it might just be a little green kind of badge on a cow's tail but it's that's that's what it is i can see it farmers will talk about it you know it's better where, where else are they going to read about it so i think i think it's recognizing that sometimes your canvas or where you're going to tell your story is in an unusual place, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's really important. If for instance, they made that the same color as the cows and you couldn't see it and all that, it wouldn't work as well. You know, mm-hmm. it wouldn't, mm-hmm. your story would kind of would fade quite quickly. So I think designing it, making sure it looks the way it looks and you know, it it's, I, I think that's, that's all of the genius of it. I think there's so much good stuff there, you know? Yeah. I can, I completely agree about, so I once made an argument on this podcast that one of the best toy ads of all time was just the Pokemon cartoon. Yeah. Um, that was my favorite toy ad. So exactly, it's it's not what you would call an ad, 
but it was designed specifically to sell Pokemon games and cards. That's the only reason it existed. So for yeah. me, it's one of the best toy ads of all time in the sense that they made exactly what they needed to do. They were announcing what the product was and they did it in a public place. That was all they fucking did. And, yeah, yeah. Um, they just finished Ash's story um, arc in Pokemon there recently enough and all of TikTok went fucking mental. <laughs> so that's it, still going actually, on. <laughs> I had it in the list and I forgot to put it on the slide. Um, <laughs> The Lego movie is one of the classic ones. Like, if, yeah. So in our industry, you look at Lego. I looked at Lego ads when I started and I was like, oh my God, these are incredible. Like these are, they're just amazing. They're so pure and simple mm -hmm. and they tell the story so well. And I was like, oh, this is, this is unreal, you know? And their kind of, their main mission is, you know, to inspire the future builders. You know, that's, that's their kind of thinking behind Lego. So, but Lego, their journey has been really, really weird they started as essentially there was and it's 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 hard to think about it now but when when you bought lego back when the company began there was no map you know so it was like you know <laughs> it was like your your box of chocolates with it with the bits papers thrown away right so it was just like just find out which one's coffee <laughs> yeah just find out the bits you like and just make whatever you want with whatever the bits you like and off you go you know so parents were encouraged and kids were encouraged to just go and create stuff, right? And make things out of all these random bits. And the company did really, really well. And as children changed over the, the decades, they started to kind of, the business started to fail. And it was hardwired into the Lego brand that they were like, we do not tell kids how to play. Like we let them play, you know? And so what happened is over time that stopped working. And it's, it's a bit of an indictment of, on us, but just the world changed, right? And so the company was just about to fail and they said, right, listen, we're going to have to start to, to kind of nudge these kids in the right direction. We're going to have to actually give them maps, give them mm -hmm. a plan. So now you buy a box of Lego and it's meant to be a thing and you get a sheet of instructions that says, here's 40 pages of how you make this thing off you go. So now you follow the map and you get to make the product or the toy or whatever it is you want to make. But And the company started to work again, right? And so despite all their incredible ads and winning kind of, you know, loads of loads of advertising awards, the ads were proven really, really effective. So the question was asked, like, how do we inspire the, build, the builders of the future? And they went to modern culture and they just said, we'll make a movie, we'll make a blockbuster movie mm. and we will release a movie. And... The, the plot of the movie is essentially the plot of Lego's life where it was like the dad is gone. No, no, we make, we make things the way they're meant to be made, like the way it says in the book, you know, and the kid is like, but I just want to play dad. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a play thing. And he's like, uh, there's some amazing line out where he says, um, you know, that's just a recommendation or something on the pack where but he's basically going, but you meant to just have fun and just go for it. And he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and he says it's age, it's age five to twelve. He's like, no, 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 no. You know, and he have none of it. So it's a it's a really interesting thing that they did. They recognized that culture was changing, like it or not. And then they basically said, look, we're we're just gonna have to go for this. We're gonna have to lead them instead of letting them just run free. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and they launched the big campaign. And essentially, there's been loads of toy movies. Like there's been brats and all these different things. Loads of them that have failed and are of no use. But they just recognized that with a bit of guidance and a map, these kids will sit down and they will kind of play. Mm. Um, and they made loads of other changes to the business, but literally the graph of the business went like that and then kind of went like that. And it's absolutely enormous compared to what it was 
like say 30 or 40 years ago. It was almost on its knees, but just before the movie came out. And the movie was one of the key factors that kind of turned the business around and kind of and restarted it again. So and they ran with that as an idea and started getting to to counteract the 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 map thing that was slightly counter their original values. They started to go out into the into normal culture and ask people to come in and invent products for them. So you get, I think you get 2% of the net profits um, if you're if you're a registered kind of um, creator. So if you make a pirate ship or whatever it is and it sells, um, you you know, you get shares and it's a, they launched that as a, as a public kind of idea after the film. And they were like, we're looking for people who are good at building and who are interested in this and who can make toys people want to play with. So, so play is still at the heart of what they do, but they just took one step to the right and said, we need to actually start giving them a map to get through this mad haze. They're just, kids are different now and they just will not play freely, you know, and the business is just going to fail. So, um, so it was really interesting from a business case study was, it's interesting how comms and just good strategic thinking was right smack bang in the middle of it. So, sorry, that, that was one, that was one I didn't have on the sheet, but it's, a, it's a really interesting one. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, I absolutely. was, I was interested in just talking about Lego and, and into actual entertainment I was flicking through Netflix. I was trying to find something, and I see now they've become the Nintendo, like the Wii of video games. So, like everyone had a PlayStation and a Wii. You had an Xbox and a Wii because the Wii was something completely separate, right? And the Switch has kind of become the same thing. Um, there is Marvel cartoons, and then there's the Lego version. There is DC cartoons, and then there's a like there's an incomplete universe of just. And, and like not stuff that's attached to the movie it's not the batman from yeah. the movie it's just yeah. normal storylines just done with lego animation and i was like who this is insane it's like a complete parallel just animation style that they're just like yeah we'll do it we'll do it. it's like the studio they obviously created for the film is like yeah. yeah we'll we'll we can churn all this out for you that's no problem at all and literally you go on netflix and disney plus and stuff you see them there's there's like loads of stuff it's crazy yeah um, and you have the you have the games as well like uh, Lego yeah. Harry Potter Lego Avengers yeah. you know so it's they just put the tentacles everywhere <laughs> they can just 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 change everyone into Lego characters. Still, my favorite thing they ever did was that time they took a a whole ad break and changed every ad in it to Lego. That was yeah. the best. That, that was, was I loved that. ITV. That was nice. It was ITV. Was it? I just it was, didn't they yeah. do the British Heart Foundation one with Vinnie Jones? That was fucking funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. one as well. But I think all the all the brands as well had to pay for their own media yeah. space, even though yeah, they did, yeah. even though they were recreating them as Lego. Yeah, it was Brilliant. amazing though. We could we could spend all, all all night talking, but I was wondering, do you have any more campaigns you want to bring us through? I've won, and I don't know if this if I'm breaking the rules here. Like this is stuff. I go for it. This go is for stuff it. that smash them to pieces. This is stuff that we've done. So is that really cheeky? And no, 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 no. Don't worry. Go for it. <laughs> sure. Fire ahead. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. I'll be quick. I'll, I'll I'll give this one like ten seconds. Right. No, um, no. Go on. I no, no. We give, give it. Give it. Go on. All right. Thanks, William. I'll do my best. I've never kept that under twelve seconds in my life. Um, <laughs> so. Look for for us. One of the rules that we kind of try and stick by is look stop blocking what people are interested in and start becoming what they're interested in. That's mm-hmm. and as a as a just a simple sentence, it helps us a lot. You know when mm-hmm. um, when we're looking at work and trying to fix problems for brands and all that kind of stuff. And we worked with a, a company called FRS Recruitment. So and they're a brand we'd never heard of before we kind of met them. They're called Farm Relief Services, uh, and they started their business way back where it was like. Jimmy has to play in the kind of county final on Saturday and who's going to milk the cows. And so they became a relief service for farmers and 
So not all that glamorous, right? In terms of brands, it's not Coca-Cola or anything, but they're right smack bang in the middle of Ireland. They're pretty much, you know, if you want to know about Ireland, you know, talk to these guys, you know, and hmm. they're they're living and breathing. They are, the, the you know, the heartlands of Ireland in, in more than just name only. So they took on a sponsorship of the Go app and they rang us and said, we need a bit of presence on there. What can we do? Um, so they were like, do we just do logos and a little animated logo? And so people know we sponsored it. We just tighten it up or what, what, what should we do? Um, and we asked them who the audience was and they were like, it's for people who live away from home and they really miss home. And the, essentially their business is we bring people home from Dubai and from everywhere, from New York and Sydney, and we bring them home and we we kind of give them jobs here. Um, so we were like, so we're trying to nudge people to kind of start thinking about coming home. And they were like, yeah. So we're trying to make people a little bit homesick. And they were like, yeah, kind of bluntly, yes, you know. <laughs> um, so we said, okay, let's let's kind of look at that. And when we looked at the at the device, I'm just gonna quit my mail here. Um when we looked at at the platform. They had loads and loads of empty space on the GA Go platform. So when you turn on your game in, in Sydney, there's essentially a black kind of holding screen, you know, for the hour before um before the game starts. Uh so we said, could we make 70 minute films? And they were like, We don't have that much money, you know. We said, we just want to make like seven zero, seven, seven D. And they were like, Can we can we do that? So we had a look at a way of doing it. So what we did was we shot 70 minutes of different parts of Ireland and we basically made slow TV. So slow TV started. Um, it's a kind of Scandinavian idea that they began with kind of trains, just putting cameras on trains and just letting it run. Mm. And they just ran these kind of films unedited for, for hours and hours and hours. You know, they did kind of reindeers going across the Arctic circle and stuff like that. And th it became this kind of, you watch it in a very, very different way. So, that back to that thing we were talking about earlier on where people are like, I've got a two and a half second attention span and I'm out of here. Well, we found that when you let this kind of run, that people will just get a little bit lost in it, you know? Um, and if you've lived away from home, anything like the sound of the traffic lights, the pedestrian crossings at the traffic lights or the sound of the Lewis um, when you're walking across the Hapenew Bridge, if you're in Sydney, you know that sound and it kind of gets you, you know? So let's on. just cover let's, let's just capture the sights and sounds of ireland in like really long unedited kind of formats uh, in 70 minute films so i think we made six or seven of them in total we did cows in a field in dingle and we did the guys cutting the grass in crow park Um, we did fires on the beach and and we did the lakes in wicklow we did lots and lots of different ones but all it was was taking being becoming what they're interested in and just having that just there the whole time so so people would run it and they just run it and leave it projected onto the wall or they're cooking their dinner and they would just have the sound of cows walking down a road kind of playing beside them and stuff like that and we got amazing coverage back from people from all over the world where they were like it just it's just a thing it just really kind of got me you know so much much more so than any kind of advertisement or you know a clever line or any of that it was just just lose yourself a little bit in that sights and sound of Ireland. So we kind of followed on trying to get, stay away from advertising. We made, when the All-Ireland Final was on, we made a, um, a meditation tape with Michal Amherdig, which sounds like the crazy sentence ever, but um, we just asked Michal to talk about Ireland and home. 
and we just let him run. So he he talked for ages and ages. He's amazing. Um, and then we just released it on Spotify the week before and said, look, if everybody's a bit panicky about the final and a bit nervous, yeah. take your time and sit down and have a listen to this. And like put on your favorite shorts and your Puma Kings. <laughs> just sit outside in the garden and just let it happen. And, you know, everything will be OK, you know. So staying out of advertising and trying to get into creating things that they care about and they want and they, they listen to. And they for this Christmas, we actually shot it yesterday and um, we shot Damien Dempsey has a Christmas single coming out. And it's about bringing people home for Christmas as well. So we got asked to shoot the video. And when we were when we heard about it, we were like, this is kind of perfect for FRS. It's the same message. It's like, look, you live abroad. We would love you to come home and kind of think about staying home for Christmas. Um, and he's donating all the proceeds to focus um, here. But we were like, we just rang them and said, look, would you be interested in kind of becoming a patron of this video or just supporting it? And when we talked about how brands show up, they just said, yeah, this is exactly what we're here for. This is what we do. This is what the business exists for. So so they kind of funded it and became sponsors. And and they don't have a, they don't stick a logo on the end of Damien's video. Mm. But they get to say, Dame, we think Damien's great. We think what he's doing is really, really good. We think the more people come back home to Ireland, the better. And that's kind of why we helped kind of support this uh, support this this video and this song. And they, they just tell that story. And this is kind of, so in a weird way, this is our little version of the 100 Club with Converse, where they're like, look, we're for that. You know, as a brand, we're for that. That's We think that's great. And we're just going to do a little bit to help, you know. And it's better than a, campaign or a, an ad or a little social film or it's just like that stuff over there that's that's what we're here for we think that's that's the good stuff so um yeah so that's that's, that's, that's almost it. full circle from where we started uh see, in this, see what uh, we did i so, see that there now that's skill very very creative <laughs> you should work you should work in advertising <laughs> no i know <laughs> no that's no, cool that's, that sounds like a they really cool class. project yeah i know so Stephen, when's the single being released um, it's actually out this week. It's out, uh, I think it was out on Monday or Tuesday of this week. So um, it's available. We had Mazer donated artwork to the for, to the cover and all proceeds go to Folks Ireland. So look, it's a, it's an amazing cause, as as we all know. Focus do serious work. So look, we're really happy to get behind them. Yeah. Amazing. Can't Brilliant. wait to. That's yeah, fantastic. Uh, everyone check it out. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you again for, for bringing those, uh, those ads that weren't ads and different campaigns. <laughs> Very educational. I learned a, a lot of advertising history there in, in a good way. So thank you so much uh, for that. Uh, if anyone's listening uh, and wants to kind of see the ads, uh, if then you can go on to workwithfo.e forward slash podcast to see them as well as the archive of all the previous ads uh, before. So thank you very much. Until next week, we will bid you adieu. Thanks so much.